Sure, I'm ready. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Macro Magic with Michelle. I am your host. And today, I'm so, so excited to have a really special guest with us. And before I let her start speaking, (laughs) I'm going to introduce her a little bit. So our guest today is Dr. Goley, registered dietitian, and I have known Dr. Goley for quite some time. Um, I used to work with her when I was in recovery for my eating disorder, and she was one of the most effective dietitians, nutritionists I ever worked with. And I really believe it's because of her approach. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Um, Yeah, I just want to give a little bit more of her background. She's been practicing for 10 years. Um, She has different certifications from Loma Linda University. And um, she also mostly works with people with eating disorders, but I'm sure she does, she has a wide variety of clients. Um, And she also helps with the specific areas of intuitive eating, mindful eating, and also vegan and vegetarian. And um, I mean, is there anything I left out? Dr. Goli. <laughs> um, well, first of all, hi, everyone. I'm so honored to be here with Michelle. Um, Michelle has always been one of my favorite people in the what? world to just <laughs> to work with and also to observe her growth and um, excite, exciting journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that has been a pretty um, interesting um, path for me to watch just how how much grown and become this wonderful woman that everybody enjoys watching and following. Um, so thank you for inviting me to your show and to your podcast, Michelle. Um, as far as what you have left out, um, I can talk a little bit more about my um, education and training, if that's what. Um, you feel like people need to be more um, knowledgeable about, or yeah, go. or we can just start talking about other. Oh stuff. yeah, you, it's really you up can, to you. You can speak a little bit more about your education and your training. Um, okay, great. Um, so first of all, um, I think a question that comes up a lot for a lot of people is, "What is a dietitian, mm. um, and what a dietitian does?" Because as you know, people usually associate dietitians with Mm. diets. Um, So put me on a diet and help me lose Mm -hmm. weight. And that's basically what the name (laughs) is. So I'm a registered dietitian, which means I have been through four years of um, undergraduate nutrition degrees Mm. and um, one year of a very competitive dietetic internship which you have to apply for and it's very competitive and 
people have a hard time getting into internships because there's so much demand mm. and not enough internships. Mm. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's an important part of it because I need people to understand that dietitians work really hard for their oh. degree um, and for their credential. Mm. And then after the internship, which is about one year, uh, which for me, I was mainly based at um, the USC hospital, mm. USC University Hospital in Los Angeles. So I did most of my trainings mm. there. And then you sit for the um, RD exam, dietitian mm-hmm. exam, which is a really tough exam, <laughs> but you need to pass it before you can practice uh, in the state of California or any other state has their own um, mm-hmm. exam. Um, so that's basically it. But pretty soon in 2024, dietitians also are going to be required to have a master's wow. degree. Um, so it's a lot more education. Mm-hmm. And um, but in general, I, I wanted to have a master's degree. So I got my master's degree in nutrition awesome. as well. And also a doctorate degree in um, public health nutrition. Um, And then I got a certification in eating disorder Mm. treatment, which is a different organization, Mm. but you need hours and um, supervision. So that's a lot of um, hours and experience there, too. But that's basically my educational and training journey. (laughs) I mean, I knew that I knew that when I was um, seeing you, I knew that you were still studying and um yes and it's it's awesome to hear more about your journey and i didn't mm-hmm. know i didn't know that um you ha- there was um actually a training for eating disorders with for nutrition is that right or am i getting it wrong yes okay yes there's a there's an organization um called international Asso- association of um it's the IADAP International Association of uh, Eating Disorder Professionals mm-hmm. uh, called IADAP. We call it mm-hmm. IADAP. And mm-hmm. they um, provide certification for therapists and dietitians. Oh, okay. And you need, um, basically, they require you to show them that you have been trained in this field and uh, or are being trained mm-hmm. or you have, for example, for me, there are a lot, lots of hours of experience so I applied those to my um, certification and then that you have to take a test yes an organization you a certification for treatment of eating disorders wow I'm glad and then one more thing one more thing that I would like Uh to add Michelle if because it is a really important um part of my job um People ask me what is the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. And I think that's a really important question that I know nobody asked me that question, but I want to (laughs) address it. Um, So basically, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. If you read a book about nutrition or if you think you you have knowledge Uh about nutrition or if you have personal Mm -hmm. experience, you can call yourself nutritionist. Nobody will really... Um, ask you too many wow. questions about that. But the the only individuals who have c- 
credentials mm-hmm. to work with diet related mm-hmm. issues are dietitians. Mm-hmm. So um, nutritionists are if you, if somebody tells you that they're mm-hmm. nutritionists, you need to really question, you know, what is your mm-hmm. credential? What did what is your education? What is mm-hmm. your background? Because this is a very scientific field mm-hmm. and major and you can really put somebody at oh yeah risk for <laughs> yes <as you> know, <laughs> yes um if you give them the wrong mm-hmm. recommendations uh mentally yes. and physically so um i really want people to pay attention to that um from oh. now on if somebody tells gives them recommendations about nutrition you really need to ask you know what is your background and how do you know this stuff so that's always good. To I'm ask. so glad, Goli, that you talked about that because I had no idea. And I definitely, you know, that is something I feel like people don't realize that food mm-hmm. is so powerful. And, and not only yes. food is so powerful, but the person who's helping you in, in your time of struggle, if they're, you know, if they're coming from a place that's not you know, well-rounded, that's, that's a, that's not a good time. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. For many different reasons, you really have to have a background Mm -hmm. in this and the education Mm -hmm. to be able to help people. Um, It's really important. Food is really Mm -hmm. powerful and bad (laughs) advice or wrong advice about food is also yes. very powerful and you can put people yes. in danger. Yes. Well, I'm so happy, Goalie, because honestly, like I said, you were such an amazing part of my recovery. And um, I'm so happy that you're here to tell us more about your work and what you do. So I, I want to mm-hmm. get into some questions. Um, sure. My first question is what made you decide to promote intuitive eating, non-diet, non-dieting versus more like a set, you know, nutrition facts kind of approach? Right. Um, I think just like everybody else in this field, um, I have had a lot of growth mm-hmm. to do. So we moved from a very um, rigid type of treatment in this field to a much more intuitive approach uh, for the past, I think for the past five mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's been such a shift, a huge shift. So um, it's honestly to answer that question, um, it made mm-hmm. sense to me. It made sense because I never knew this. I mean, I never had a label mm-hmm. to put on it, but I I think I was a very intuitive mm-hmm. eater without mm-hmm. even knowing um, that this label or this terminology mm-hmm. existed. Um, and I always remember, even at Pacifica, where my initial... Um, experience in this Mm -hmm. field started I always remember that you know a lot of advice or recommendations that I made were based on intuitive eating even though I wasn't really knowledgeable about it back then 10 years ago 
Um, but it came from my yeah a lot of recommendations came from my intuition so and then as you know as we grew and um, the field basically grew a lot um, we understood intuitive eating Mm -hmm. a lot more although the the concept Mm -hmm. has been out there for a long time Um, but I think it's been so um, much buried by all the you know different diet advices or diet recommendations or the diet culture mm-hmm. in general that it didn't really get a chance or opportunity to come to the mm-hmm. surface um, of the field for treatment of eating wow. disorders or not even eating disorders, right. just anybody actually to, um, to do this on a daily basis. Um, but I think I think it really made sense and it, I really connected mm-hmm. to it when I actually understood that there is a book and there is a whole field about this and um, how I can help people understand this better because it does make sense. I mean, it does make sense to people. It does make mm-hmm. sense to me um, to trust your body, to understand your body and follow mm-hmm. its lead versus follow, you know, the leads of the diet culture or, or a scientific paper on a certain type mm-hmm. of diet that yes. could help um, yes. somebody, you know, out there. Um, this will, this covers majority of people. This basically makes sense to majority of people. And usually that's what makes a treatment approach really successful. Yes. yes. And I didn't know, Goli, I didn't know. Honestly, I thought when you were working with me, I thought you all, it was all because it did feel intuitive to me and it did feel like flexible and I did feel like you were helping me like recognize um, the way that my body was speaking to me and it didn't feel too much pressure or it didn't feel like it's such a difference when I was working with you. Before my, you know, in my eating disorder, I was on many diets and there was a lot of rigid rules. And so it makes sense Mm -hmm. that when you're healing from that kind of sickness, that you would go to, to something opposite, which is something that is more flexible and not so rigid. Absolutely. Yes. Rigidity doesn't really nope. work. <laughs> um, flexibility. I mean, in life, yes. I'm about life yes. in general. Um, people who are more rigid have a harder mm-hmm. time because life is not going to be predictable exactly. a lot of times. So um, the more rigid you are, the, the more difficult time you'll have. And the more flexible and open you are, um, the yes. easier. So that's the same thing applies yes. to food. You know, the more rigid you are, the more difficult and less enjoyable this this journey will be. So it makes sense. I can't really remember what we <laughs> talked about, like, back then. But I hope I, I made sense oh, to you back yes, then. Yes, Goli, <laughs> you did make sense. You were like, and even now when I talk to you, you are... This is this is my experience with you is that you are so kind and so gentle but at the same time you're like very like firm like in the like grounded and so like cuz I'm sure I'm not the only um patient that you worked with that was a little mm-hmm. bit 
a, a little bit of um I don't know what the word is like a little bit um difficult or like I don't know just like you know what I'm saying (laughs) so so you have to be you have to be strong really strong to work with you know sick people like you really do have to be really strong and I felt like you were like a perfect balance and you still are a perfect balance of Yes, you're like strong and firm, but at the same time, you're very gentle and kind. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And because, you know, this is, this is a really good point, because when you're working with people who have a lot of rigidity Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. food, um, your intention and your basically main area of Mm -hmm. help should be focused on um, loosening up that rigidity mm-hmm. for them or helping them do it by not by being rigid right. yourself or you know ask them to do this and that and follow this mm-hmm. and that um, but rather you know make them helping them understand this is you can be flexible with food this is not about um, you know letting go of control mm-hmm. because that's what a lot of people see yeah. this as food mm-hmm. as um, this, you know, food can be a lot more enjoyable and f- that freedom from this rigidity can be so enjoyable. You just give me a chance to help you experience yeah. it. That's basically what, how I feel about, um, my work. Just, you know, help me help you. Let me help you understand how free you can be and how, not free you are right now (laughs) it's it's and it's so eye-opening for people when they actually experience it like like your Mm -hmm. own journey and how you have experienced things it's you know I also need to mention that when you have an eating disorder or when you when you are experiencing a severe Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. of eating disorder rigidity is has to be part of the treatment Mm -hmm. so you have to be put on a meal plan and Mm -hmm. you have to follow Mm -hmm. Um, a meal plan to a certain point until your weight is Mm -hmm. stable and until your behaviors are Mm -hmm. more stable so that's that's not the rigidity that I'm talking about but I'm talking about you know when you're actually a little bit more advanced in the treatment Mm -hmm. um, or as a human being you know you you want to explore a a diet free life I mean I can't tell you how many people I see that don't even can't even process what a life Mm -hmm. what life means without diets like I I need to be on a diet I need to be following a diet otherwise you know I will be out of control so that's the that's the way they Mm -hmm. look at things and it's so difficult for them to understand no it's not really it doesn't have to be yeah. that way. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes, so good, goalie. Um, <laughs> so my second question is actually, what made you decide to work with eating disorder patients um, more more specifically? I know you probably work with mm-hmm. other kinds of patients, but um, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, 80%. 80, 80 per- 80 to 85% wow. of my clients are 
uh, eating disorder or individuals who struggle with eating disorders um, and food addictions. So uh, it's very much focused on that. Um, So the way that I got directed to this Mm -hmm. field or um, ended up in this field was actually very Mm -hmm. interesting because remember I mentioned that as a dietitian, to become a dietitian, you have to do Mm -hmm. an internship. And in this internship for me, um, there was one week of um, clinic, um, sorry, one week of college, a community college rotation that I had to complete. Mm-hmm. And um, the rotation was at Glendale Community mm-hmm. College. And I really loved mm-hmm. that rotation because it was a different rotation from, you know, being in a hospital or, um, you know, schools or it, it was you know I was working mm-hmm. with college students and that was mm-hmm. so much fun and I was there for five mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. total but surprisingly in those five days I had four or five mm-hmm. students female mm-hmm. students who came to me because they could make appointments and they could come and see the dietetic mm-hmm. intern for nutrition mm-hmm. advice um, they came to me and they talked about their eating disorder. And surprisingly, I didn't even know what (gasps) that was. And I wasn't a nutrition student. Yeah. So they didn't really talk about it in school. None of the professors really talked about it. So we totally (gasps) ignored that there is a disorder called eating disorder. For some reason, they didn't think that was important. So... So I was like, what is this? What is this that every, I mean, five people in five days, that's not, that's not no. small. Um, and I asked them, you know, what, what, did, what do you mean you threw up your food or you haven't had food in mm. two days? Um, one of them almost passed out in my office mm. and it was mm-hmm. scary, you know, can you imagine as a nutrition <laughs> student, I, somebody comes to you and almost yeah. passes out in your room. So I was, I got really scared, mm-hmm. first of all, and then really curious about what this mm-hmm. was about. So I did my own research after the rotation. I did my own research. I look at, looked up the disorder in the textbook um, and I realized that there is a very mental-based disorder that is very much related to mm-hmm. food. And basically the only mental disorder that is so much related to our mm-hmm. physical being and our mm-hmm. physical health. And I got really interested. So, and then the rest <laughs> is history. I, I went and volunteered for a pram and... That was the first program I volunteered for because they would hire me without experience. Oh. Um, after that program, I ended up at Pacifica. Oh, okay. And Pacifica was basically my first official treatment program that I worked at to treat mm. eating disorders. And then this is the, the rest is, again, history. And I've been, I stayed at Pacifica for seven years. <laughs> 
until they closed. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't be there anymore. <laughs> yeah, for for you guys that um, maybe don't know, yeah, Pacifica Recovery Services, that's where I went um, on and off for um, more than a few years. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. so at, at some point when I was there, um, Goalie was there as well, and that's when I worked with her. So, um, and, and, um, yeah, I feel like, um, the year, the year that I was working with you, I think it was like 2012 to maybe 2012. Oh, okay. So towards, oh, and then I think you came back. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was always in and out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, that happens a lot. Yeah. That happens a lot. It's very common. It's totally fine. And it's better that you do in and out than, you know, yes. you don't, you never come back because you, people need Absolutely. ongoing help. But yeah, I think the last time I, I talked to you though, I think, um, was 2014. So I think that two year time. Yes. 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 So it's been about six yes. years. Yes. And they closed. So that it, it was about around that time that I decided to go into private mm-hmm. practice, which was a great mm-hmm. decision but also a very scary yes. decision to make for me because I do not <laughs> like anything that has to do anything with business. <laughs> so like, you know, I just yeah. work and you yeah. pay me, but now I have to work for myself. Yes. So it's a little scary, but it was the best decision I made. It, it's been really wonderful to, to experience things on my own and face the yeah. fears and, and get to work with people on a long-term yes. basis individually. Um, so it's it's been really wonderful. But Pacifica definitely helped helped me grow and become the person I am today. So I'm really thankful for Pacifica. Yes, well, me too, Goli. <laughs> they helped yes, me grow to be the person I am yeah. today. So I'm I'm very thankful to Pacifica. Um, so. Let's, uh, yeah, so my next question is, what was your relationship with food before you became, started on your journey to become a dietitian? Yeah, I I touched on that a little bit before, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I'm, I come from a country that, so I'm originally from Iran, and the the Persian mm-hmm. people who are the same as Iranian people mm-hmm. um, we really grow up with a very mindful food culture mm-hmm. um, food is all about you know family time mm-hmm. it's fun mm-hmm. time um, you spend a lot of time making mm-hmm. food um, you care about its smell its presentation mm-hmm. its um flavor Mm -hmm. so you know women in Iran spend I mean used to spend I think it's a little bit less now Mm -hmm. but spend a lot of time in the kitchen to make Mm -hmm. sure the food looks great and smells great and Mm -hmm. um, during social time or meal time everybody eats together yeah so it's been a big part of my being since I was very young Um, so I'm I think I'm first of all, thankful for that connection that I was able to have with food and mm-hmm. the, the really 
good feeling that I get about eating and mealtime and all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's really a big deal how you make that bond from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of that, I had a relationship with food. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I became so interested in this, in this field. Mm-hmm. Because it was so different from the way I thought. Mm-hmm. And I looked at food and I processed food. Mm-hmm. Food for me is, is joy. Food for me mm-hmm. is wow, it's mealtime, it's food time, Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat with other people, and I'm going to enjoy my food. So I enjoy food a lot. And that's why I got really, really nervous when I when I found out, wow, there are actually some individuals who do not enjoy food or for other, you know, very much mental reasons, food Mm -hmm. becomes this scary thing and the enemy. Yeah. So I became so interested in it. Like, mm-hmm. wow, I never I never looked at food like that. What is this? Um, so I did a lot of readings, a lot of research, mm-hmm. a lot of questions. And you know, I got to understand it so well um also from people yeah. closely. Um, and I think the reason I am able to be mindful and intuitive mm-hmm. in my approach mm-hmm. is because that's how I grew up with food. Yeah. And that's what I use in treatment. Again, even before I knew this was called intuitive eating or mindful yeah. eating, I was practicing it because that's mm-hmm. what I, that's how I knew. <laughs> that's basically how I learned to eat or look at food. So... So actually, you've been practicing more than 20 or more than 10 years, goalie. <laughs> yes, yes. From childhood. Childhood on. That's how I feel, too. <laughs> that I've been, I've been studying food for longer than I actually have because it's like yes. it's been a journey before it was a conscious thing. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Um, and that's the beauty yeah. of it. The food is so different from other everything else because yeah. you have to eat it every day you have to think about it every mm-hmm. day you have to you know based on how what your relationship is with yeah. it you have to really understand it every day right it's not like and that's part of um you know cuz eating disorders the behavior is like uh an addiction like an addiction to drugs or addiction to alcohol or any of these other addictions, but Mm -hmm. it's like those, those other addictions, you can, drugs don't have to be a part of your life. Like you don't have to drink to live, but you have to eat to live. So it's like, there's no way you can go cold Turkey on your eating disorder. Cause it's like, you gotta eat. Yes. Yes. And not just eat, you got to fuel. Yeah, yes. Because it's, it's, it's also your exactly. fuel. Exactly. It really does matter how you fuel yourself. Exactly. So it's, you know, if you, if you stress out about food all the time or if you only eat a certain type of food, those things also make a huge difference. Yes. So it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting, that's why, you know, dealing with food is so different from dealing with other drugs or you know different types of addiction that's how people sometimes look at it 
No, food is very different. Yes. Very different. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, and, um, and the next question I want to ask you is, since we're kind of already talking about it, how would you describe the connection between food and our mental health? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so many ways they're connected, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, you know, emotionally, physically, chemically. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to look at, you know, molecular way, they're connected. Yeah. Um, the gut bacteria, mm-hmm. they're connected. So there's so many different levels of connection Mm -hmm. between mental health and food. Mm -hmm. But I think if I want to answer that in a more simple Mm -hmm. way, I think there is definitely an emotional connection with Mm -hmm. food and then the physical connection with food. And both help our mental health and physical health. I think when you talk about mental health, Mm -hmm. mental health and physical health go hand in hand. I, I can never separate them into two different Mm -hmm. questions so um you know the emotional health of eating um impacts us every day how we think about food how we think about what food does in our body how we process eating and we process our emotions so connected Mm -hmm. And then there's the chemical aspect of things. You know, what does this food do in my body? What neurotransmitters it make that make me feel good or bad mm-hmm. yeah. or sad or happy? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that the that between mental health and food is so important. Something that we can't really ignore, like how people right. talk about, you know, eliminate carbs from your diet. So these, these, big diet diets don't really look at these aspects of mental health like Mm -mm. you lose weight you'll be fine no you lose weight and you have to be mentally okay too yeah um so carbs helps us make certain neurotransmitters that makes us feel good yes so you can't ignore that yeah and you also need to eat certain nutrients that help your body thrive and grow and be nourished yes and that's also important so eating you know just certain foods all day is not going to be healthy enough it's not going to be to make you well enough yes um so yeah that's a really complex question but so many ways that they're connected they go hand in hand physical and mental health and food like a triangle that you can't really break um so i think the beauty of intuitive eating is that attention to all of those things Mm -hmm. it pays attention to it the chemical needs of the body Mm -hmm. nutrient needs it pays attention to um the mental aspect of things and it basically covers all of those things. So that, you know, uh, intuitive eating and mindful eating is basically a connection. How do we connect those things well enough to be a healthy person? That's how you do it. You pay yes. attention to your 
and what it needs, how much of it it needs, and basically being mindful about it. Yes. I'm so I'm so glad you explained it that way. I feel like um that that I mean that makes sense to me, but I also feel because I I I feel like when I talk about um the connection between food and our mental health, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I I don't explain it right. And mm-hmm. and it's so weird that people have trouble understanding because even me, I'm ta- I'm talking about myself. Right. Um I didn't think there was a connection. Mm-hmm. And I but I think part of it too was that I struggled with my eating habits for a very long time. So mm-hmm. I think that also made it difficult for me to understand how does what I eat actually change my mental health or help my mental health. I thought there was no connection. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> No, they're very much connected, yeah. very much connected. And it's a, like a bi-direction too. It's not like, you know, mental health results in physical health or physical health results in mental health only. But no, this is a bi-directional, you know, physical and mental health back and forth in helping us yeah. be the person that we are. Yes. And it's, it's on a daily basis. I read a quote somewhere that was so interesting. Um, and it relates to, you know, what I do so much. It was, I, I can't remember the person who actually said it, okay. but it said, um, if you, there is no point, oh, there's nothing healthy about eating kale mm-hmm. if you are stressing out about eating it, eating the ice cream all day. Yeah. So that that really helps the relationship between physical and mental health. Yes, kale is wonderful yeah. for us. Probably a lot more nutrient dense mm-hmm. than ice cream mm-hmm. is. However, if you are avoiding ice yeah. cream or not eating ice cream or just eating kale, then you're messing up with that um, momentum and the balance. Yes. Because there has to be a balance. Yes. With both. And you can't just do right. one. And if you're thinking, oh, ice cream is the enemy. Oh, no, girl. You got some work to do yep. there. <laughs> ice cream <laughs> is just ice cream. <laughs> it's not, it's not a sentient being. <laughs> oh, yes. Ice cream is ice cream and it doesn't have a personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's a very innocent yeah. food. So... <laughs> Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. And if and if it's the enemy, I welcome my enemy uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> I have no I problem. know. I know that. if it's my enemy, we'll actually love my enemy, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um so um yeah, okay. And then um so have you always I guess I guess you kind of already talked about this. Um my next question was going to be, have you always used a non-diet approach with your clients? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically how the part that I explained Mm -hmm. previously it's yes, I have, Mm -hmm. I have, however, Mm -hmm. it really depends on the level of um, eating disorder treatment Mm -hmm. 
because at for example at residential or at PHB programs you have to have a meal plan right and you have to have some type of a structure Mm -hmm. for the client to follow for a specific period of time yeah because otherwise you won't be able to um, meet the 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 nutrition requirement of the client um but other than that, yes, intuitive eating has been all has always been my approach, because that's that's the only I know mm-hmm. to do it, and I know yeah. that's the only way I understand food. Yeah. Um, I wanted to also kind of talking um about this. Um, what really I remember what really helped me when I was working with. My, my different nutritionists in my journey, um, they never, they didn't, um, when they gave me a meal plan, because like you said, when someone is really struggling um, with their behaviors and, you know, um, every, everything that goes along with their eating disorder, it's helpful to have some kind of structure. And like you said, not make it so rigid. So what I loved I think you did this. And also, like I said, other nutritionists I worked with did this. Mm -hmm. They did exchanges. Yes. So they wouldn't say like, um, they wouldn't be so specific, like exactly what you need to eat. But they said like some kind of like, um, I think I remember um, three to four carbs or, you know, like just like a general thing. And then from there, you know, it, it allowed me to be flexible with my in, intuitive eating to fill in those exchanges for my meals, just knowing mm-hmm. like the basic, like what is a carb? Like what is protein? What is fat? You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The exchanges are still being used um, pretty commonly mm-hmm. in um, treatment programs. And I think it's a, it's a good, um, approach for that level Mm -hmm. of care because you do need some type of structure and you do need nourishment so that kind of you know makes sure that you have some level of nourishment before we can logically talk about food Mm -hmm. so and also also to help your hunger cues come Mm -hmm. back because of course um, disordered eating definitely messes up the mm-hmm. hunger cues, messes up the metabolism. So you need some level of consistency for the body to, again, start to trust mm-hmm. you and gives the hunger cues back and also, um, you know, gets get some nutrients and some nutrition. And then at that point, the, the flexibility become becomes an option but yes the exchange list is still a very helpful approach that a lot of treatment programs use I don't use exchange list at my um, practice mm-hmm. I um, what I do is mostly giving food examples okay. so we go over like uh, option a b c d for breakfast oh. and if you have yeah if you have oatmeal for example versus toast mm-hmm. Here's what I would like you to choose from. Okay. Like you choose your main meal and then you choose two sides or three sides based on their level mm-hmm. of need. Um, and then I give like four different examples of breakfast food, four different examples of lunch food, four different examples of dinner food. And that way, you know, 
clients start to understand, oh, so this is how much I need to have. Um, And then they're kind of able to apply to other Mm -hmm. foods um, because they start to learn Mm -hmm. what a portion should look like. Um, So that's how I do it now. But I think exchange is still a really good style of um, structure for a lot of individuals. Yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and um, so how did you actually, I know I should ask you this earlier, but when we we're talking about Pacifica, but um, how did you actually connect with Pacifica mm-hmm. Recovery? So one of my, because I'm not sure if you know this or you remember this, but I also teach. Oh, yeah. I So I um, back then I was teaching at, Cal Poly Pomona, Mm -hmm. which was where I graduated from undergrad and master's degree. Mm -hmm. So I had a colleague who who worked at Pacifica Mm. and she was moving to another state. um, And one day she just randomly told me, you know, I know you're interested in this and you're um, volunteering at a place um, to learn. But I'm I'm just letting you know that I'm leaving soon. So do you want to shadow me or learn from me? And maybe eventually you'll um, work at Pacifica. So she was working at Pacifica, but she was leaving. Mm. Um, so that was basically when uh, the connection happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she introduced me to um, the owner and... Uh, basically, that's that. After that, everything just happened. But that was that was the way we, I connected to Pacifica from the, the dietitian that was working there back then. Awesome. Yes. Um, and then I read on your website. If you guys um, we'll give we'll give all your links in the description of this podcast. But um, on your website, I I was reading that you also do sessions with um, your clients, friends or family partners, people around them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I wanted to know, like, do you are you able to see how um, the people around your clients are? positively or negatively influencing them and and their relationship with food oh yes absolutely (laughs) that's a big one um the environment that you're trying to recover in makes the biggest difference if you have um i've had the best experiences with families who are supportive Mm -hmm. And who are willing to be open to communication mm-hmm. about this, even if in the beginning they yeah. were not. Um, but they're willing to listen and they're willing to mm-hmm. learn. Those are usually the most successful um, <laughs> treatments that I have experienced with yeah. clients. But also the opposite is so true. If there is an environment in which, you know, either parents or family members are not open to communication or they're constantly on diets or practicing diet Mm -hmm. behaviors that is so difficult for the client to deal with because they have to thrive in an environment that is basically very disordered and um, they feel that they're lonely and they don't have enough support Mm -hmm. 
So I'm not saying that's impossible. It's impossible to mm-hmm. recover if you're in that type of environment, but it definitely makes it more yeah. difficult and a lot more barriers along mm-hmm. the way. Um, so yes, the family members are a huge part of the individual's treatment. It could be family or friends or partners or spouse, anybody, anybody that is living with a person who struggles with food um, related issues. They also need to be really careful, you know, about their own behaviors or at least, um, you know, comments and um, recommendations Mm -hmm. or judgments about the person who's trying to recover. We can't really ask everybody to be a non-diet culture Mm -hmm. fan um, because everybody has to take their own Mm -hmm. journey. However, you can really be helpful in regards to, okay, I'm not going to be judgmental about this person's journey or this person's body or, you know, weight loss Mm -hmm. results or food options like why are you eating this or why are you eating that or why haven't you lost any weight (laughs) in your treatment or why haven't you gained any weight in so it's it's a lot of judgments Mm -hmm. involved whereas as you know the treatment of this disorder takes a really Mm -hmm. long time and a lot of patience and a lot of mindfulness (laughs) yeah and a lot of resilience so makes a huge difference i'm really and i i in my practice i really try to involve the Mm -hmm. family members or friends if if i know that that's going to help Mm -hmm. but based on what i have Mm -hmm. learned usually opening up the communication is extremely Mm -hmm. helpful with the recovery yes i i agree so much with everything you said, and I'm, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I understand, like, because our, our whole society is so basically set up in a way that actually encourages eating disorders, um, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to even just, even me today, like, even though I'm recovered, even though i I'm helping people improve their relationship with food and their eating habits and all these things even I get frustrated like I get frustrated in a different way now um it's similar because it's like I wish we could just not have this kind of diet like way of talking about food and way of talking about health that's so like you know like rigid again like what we're saying um but I just hope that, you know, the work that I'm doing is hopefully helping other people, even if they don't have an eating disorder or they feel like their relationship yes. with food is fine. I Because people don't realize sometimes the way that they talk about all these things, weight loss, health, food, that it's actually not, maybe it's not damaging to themselves, but it's damaging to people around them. <laughs> so... And that's, yes. and that's honestly, yes. I feel a big part of how I even got my eating disorder is because the people around me, um, were so uh-huh. about, about unhealthy thinking about food. So, 
Yes. Yes. And at a certain age mm -hmm. in life, um, we're really, really vulnerable to this type of, um, you know, approach to mm -hmm. food. So we can, when we are exposed to these things, really young mm -hmm. age, um, it does influence us. We do think about it more and we unfortunately at some point want to practice it and um, become a part of the diet yeah. culture. And so it's very normal, but you know, this is a culture that we're living in now, even um, that it targets us from a, a very young mm -hmm. age to be, you know, to look a certain way and to be a mm -hmm. certain way and to fit the, standards and and if you don't you're yeah. wrong or you're bad or your body yeah. is wrong so really educating mm -hmm. people on that you know some people have been part of the Thai culture and they're not even yeah. aware of it like oh there's another way of living without dieting yeah. does that exist yeah. so carbs are okay to eat <laughs> They, wow. People, that's the thing. I'm like, I hear people talk like there's so many videos on YouTube and things on Instagram and all these people are talking about. Yeah. And to eliminate your carbs and, and they're promoting themselves as an expert in health. And I'm like, no. And they have, I'm like, no, I just, it's a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to, to be on it this, is. to be on this side now to see, you know, that stuff yes. happening. And it's like, Yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> yes, and social media, unfortunately, hasn't no. helped with that. I know in, in a lot of ways it can yeah. be helpful, but it's absolutely not helpful in a yeah. lot of ways. I mean, just the, still, the, I, I still see a lot of people and pages that are promoting thinness yeah. in a certain way. And um, it's just painful yeah. to watch because... And it's, you know, it's mostly targeting yeah. women, which is more painful yeah. to watch because, you know, why women? Um, why should we have to suffer um, from this whole diet culture yeah. so much? And I actually, on my um, page, I um, posted a book that I'm reading right now. I don't know if you saw it, but it's called The Oh yeah. Myth. And it's such a great book such an eye-opening book about why the diet culture is so prevalent and targets women um and it's all about you know marketing and money and you know big names behind it and so i highly recommend that everybody reads that book especially people who don't understand mm -hmm. um why all of this happened to women and why we are where we are as yeah. a society I think it would be really helpful to read cool. that book. It's very eye-opening. Well, I will have to. I know I saw it on your Instagram and I, you know, I was interested. So <gasps> that's on my list. Yes. But, but yes. Um, we only have a few more minutes left and we didn't get to all my questions. <laughs> but um, yes, I know we talked a lot. <laughs> that's okay. I feel like there's so much, so much that we talked about that's important. So, um. But yes. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Goalie, for being here. And you, you, I feel like people, people need to understand how important Goalie has been in my journey. And having someone like her, like with coming from her, with her knowledge and her experience, 
someone who is gentle and someone who has, you know, actual knowledge that's really going to help you, like, this, this, you, this kind of person, you, Dr. Goalie, you know, is very, <laughs> very important in anyone's recovery. And um, even, honestly, I feel like even if you don't have an eating disorder necessarily, all this information is helpful, even no matter, like, if you just yes. are, like, just have, like, a general unhealthy relationship with food. Yes, yes, it's all, yes, it's definitely important to understand that this is not just for people who struggle with eating disorders, but also for people who have suffered from um, not being mm -hmm. intuitive mm -hmm. with food. And it's a journey that you, you know, both can take and really benefit from. And I'm really glad that I was able to talk today. And um, hopefully, you know, me and you have helped some people be a little bit more knowledgeable about um, this whole field of um, nutrition mm -hmm. and food and yes any any questions that your audience have they can always let me know um, and I'm really glad that you are what you are Michelle um, Michelle with your journey and helping so many people with your experience <laughs> this is priceless thank you really priceless. thank you yes and um so you can where can people reach you? So um, I'm unfortunately not a very active social media <laughs> professional. I really want to get better at that, but I, I just yeah. don't have time. But my um, Instagram page is Dr. Goli RD. Um, I have a Facebook page that is, I, I probably in, deactivated because I haven't checked yeah. it for a long time. So um, my website, the same website, drgolyrd.com. And they can email me at that address, okay. too. So you can include all of that in your um, comment box, and people will able, be able to okay. find me. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. I hope you'll go to the subscribe button and hit subscribe, and also leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and just listening just so thank so much gratitude from me right now thank you thank you <laughs>